reading from Jeremiah, the 24th chapter this morning, will be our text. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 24. And we'll be looking at verses 4 through 7. Jeremiah 24, 4 through 7. Then the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so I will regard as good the exiles of Judah, whom I have sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. For I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land, and I will build them and not annihilate them, and I will plant them and not uproot them. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am Yahweh, and they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with the whole of their heart. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning and uh, professing, Father, we believe in you. We believe, Father, in the works that you have done throughout history from the creation of the world to this time, and we believe, Father, you will continue to do your works in the days to come. So, Father, in, in the midst of our COVID struggle, in the midst of our uh, restrictions uh, that have been placed on us and the frustrations we have and the difficulties of work and society, Father, we know that you have the strength to continue to encourage us as well as the strength to pull us through and build us up in the days to come. As you know, our hearts, Father, we pray that this COVID be lifted from us and taken away, and we're glad, Father, for the lightning of the load this past week. But, Father, we know that we're, we're in it as long as we need to be, and from your standpoint, Father, uh, you control things, so we give that over to you. Fathers, one of the things that we desire most in all this is for maybe a closer bond in the church, uh, more people in our homes and, and close, closer fellowships. And Father, we know that as we hurt for these things that uh, you are there to fill the gap. So might we find what we've, we have missed in people within our relationship with you during these days. Help us to reach out in the ways that, that we can through telephone, through text, uh, through Facebook even, if, if that's uh, deemed appropriate to encourage our brothers and sisters. We have some that are hurting, some that are not here, some who are struggling, Father, with making decisions in the midst of this uh, difficulty. So we pray, Father, that you'll renew their hearts and you'll help us, Father, as your tools in doing so. Father, we pray for deeper understanding of our own journeys with you, that we might begin to comprehend not only the great love you have for us and the compassion you have for our journey, but, Father, also that we might understand your mission for us, that we might be your hands and feet and mouth and wherever else you might send us, that, that we might be ready and willing uh, to occupy that path for your sake. So open our hearts to a deeper passion for your word and a desire, Father, to be about your work. Father, we pray for the weary and the heavy-hearted this morning. We know that outside this COVID issue, there are other issues that, that we have to deal with as humans. And so, Father, we know that some here are hurting. Some are struggling through, through difficult situations. Some are struggling with relationships with people, with work, 
and even, Father, with the church. So we just pray your blessings on them and that you might give them understanding. Fathers, we've read from your scriptures this morning the, the message you have for Israel. We take to heart, Father, that uh, we too are a remnant of people, your chosen people that are here in this community, in this society, in this world. And we pray, Father, that as you bless the Israelites, you will continue to bless us with, with a life that is full of peace and joy. But Father, if hard times do come, we know that we can rely on you to strengthen us and to carry our battle for us. We pray for our messenger Steve this morning. You have given him a heart to serve in this capacity and you've given him words and wisdom to bring from the pulpit. And we pray, Father, that you continue to inspire him with those things which we need to hear. And we pray, Father, that we as your children will listen, pay attention, and gather the, the wisdom that uh, you have provided through these speakings. Bless him this morning, Father, that uh, he will continue in his work and that he will find the joy and reward of doing such. Thank you for all you do through Jesus. Thank you for inspiring us, encouraging us, and, and giving us a way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for that prayer, Dennis. And thank you all for being here. There are frankly more of you here than I thought there would be because of the scary, scary snow. I get to take this off, don't I? Anyway, I kind of brush past it a lot. I mean, I, I mention it, but I don't really give it its due, I don't think. The fact that God is with us this morning He's here in the room, and I'm struck, but not as awestruck as I should be about how consistently God has a message for us, and he doesn't give that message to me. He gives it to everyone that comes before you to speak. It is, I would say it's weird, but it's not weird anymore. The fact that um, Fred and Jim both were talking about my sermon today, and there's no way that they could know what's in my sermon. I haven't uh, spoken, uh, well, I haven't spoken to Fred since Wednesday. There are things going on when the Spirit's alive. In this church, God loves us. He has words that He wants us to hear. And I, my prayer, and I again thank you, Dennis, for your prayer this morning. My prayer is always that I bring to you the words that God means for me to bring. And I really am in awe <laughs> of how much God kind of tips His hand. And just kind of, I'm here, just kind of shows us. Anyway, um, let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 25. 
one of those weird books in the middle there that's always like this, was it, that right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isaiah chapter 25, and there's going to be quite a bit of reading here, so might do well to have your Bible open. If you didn't bring your Bible, repent. That's correct. So this is taking place um, toward the end of Israel's uh, stint in the promised land for a while. And we're studying in our uh, adult, what is it, young adult and college class? We're studying about Joshua's conquest of the promised land and how God sent the Jews to bring judgment upon the Canaanites because they were truly evil. But then some few hundred years later, God would send the Assyrians and the Babylonians to execute judgment against the Israelites and then the Judahites for being just as evil as the people that they cleared out during Joshua's time. I should mention as an aside, this isn't really an aside, but um, we're talking about work today. Uh, The elders, if you remember back till October, let's all remember back to October. The elders had asked you um, to think of men that you think would serve well, um, as deacons in this church, don't mean to steal your thunder, boys, but uh, you guys did mention it in October. Just still be having that in mind. I imagine they're going to make some kind of an announcement about it. They're staring at me with a poker face. But uh, there is work to be done here. Okay, back to my, my story. I probably got myself in trouble again by saying that. But what happened was... This is uh, in the 600s B.C. Um, Israel was already destroyed as a nation by the Assyrians, and Judah was left. And God's challenge to Judah was, don't freak out. And that's one of the things Jim was talking about, is it's kind of hard to understand what is it that we're going through and what, why is God letting this happen? What does God mean to do by it? Is God doing it? Is someone else doing it? Is God allowing us to do it? Were we bad? Were we good? What should we be doing? Are all the questions that we have in a time of turmoil, and we're still in a time of turmoil. I mean, I'm in a time of turmoil, although my life's pretty good. But this, the whole world is in turmoil right now, and the thing we have to ask is, okay, what's going on and what do we need to do about it? Well, number one, and again, we are studying Joshua this morning, God's first command is don't freak out. He doesn't word it that way through the prophets. I'm contextualizing it. He's saying, you shall not, not please don't, you shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be a whiny baby. Okay, that's not in there either. But you shall not be afraid. You need to have faith that God, the same God, who's done all the other things in your life, is is at work right now. He doesn't take days off. He doesn't have have bad months or bad years. He's God all the time. He's doing exactly what He, in His perfect wisdom, decides to do at any given moment. And so what's happening is there are some 
unlucky Jews who have been carted off to Babylon. And there are other Jews who are still in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. Why are some people carted off to to Babylon and some people are left? Well, Jeremiah has been speaking uh, to the, the Jews this entire time, the Judahites, uh, those still left, and he's telling them God has a reason for all the things that he's doing. And he gives them a vision of two basket or two a plate with two different kind of figs. It's all uh, one kind of fig. Um, it's all one plate, excuse me. There's good figs and there's rotten figs. And God says, what do you see on the plate? He says, I see good figs and rotten figs. Some are good to eat, but the others are rotten. Pretty much the only thing you can do with those is throw them out. But I have both on the plate. And God's saying, yes, that's exactly what I see too. I see a plate with good figs and bad figs. So when God looked at the people of Judah... He said there are good people and there are bad people. And what makes someone good or bad is going to be tied to the works of their hands. And we haven't haven't been discussing how to make all the prayers and all the discussions about the same things. God is making them about the same things. About our current turmoil and the works of our hands. That's a message God wants us to have this morning. So let's read it. Jeremiah, he read this already. Verses 4 through 7. We're going to be doing some reading this morning. So let me have a quick drink while you guys make sure you're there. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah says. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, In the same way, I will regard as good the exiles from Judah whom I have sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. Did you hear that? Which ones are the good ones? The ones that got carted off to Babylon. The the worst thing that happened to Judah... The worst thing that these people could remember, nothing had happened like this. It happened to those evil Israelites to the north, but it hasn't happened to us. We haven't been carted off by another nation. We haven't been oppressed by another another nation since God freed His people from slavery in Egypt. And yet here it is happening. God, why is this happening? God's answer is surprising. I've, there are good Jews. There are are bad Jews. There are good people and there are bad people. The good people have been carted off to Babylon. You reading that? That's in verse 5. That's why I want you to have your Bible open. Make sure I'm not just making this stuff up. I will set my eyes on them for good and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them And not rip them out. Okay, so then why did you cart them off to Babylon? We're the good ones. Why would you do this? 
I will give them a heart to understand that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. God is carting these people off so he could bring them back again. Why? Why not just leave them there? There are a lot of questions. Let's keep reading. But thus says the Lord, like the bad figs that are so bad, they cannot be eaten, so I will treat Zedekiah, the king of Judah, his officials, the remnant of Jerusalem who remain in this land, and all those who dwell in the land of Egypt. I should point out that one of the things, that what Zedekiah was doing was God said, stand firm and I will keep the Babylonians away from you. And he says, okay, gotcha. But I'm going to go ahead and make a, a pact with the Egyptians because they're more powerful. We need powerful allies. God's saying, I am your powerful ally. You don't need powerful allies. You have me. You don't need tanks and bombers. You need me. You have me. I told you not to worry about battle. You're the, the, the kingdom of Israel. But they went ahead and made a pact with Egypt. Not surprisingly, Egypt being stronger kind of used the pact as leverage to pull people into Egypt. Some people voluntarily left God's kingdom to be in the land of Egypt so that they could be safe when they could be living in the promised land protected by God. Those are the people that are left. They're, they're led by an evil king who won't trust God, and some of them have lost trust in God enough to go to actually leave Egypt. That's who God's talking about are the bad figs. I will make them a horror story to all the kingdoms of the earth. To be an insult, a byword, a taunt, and a curse in all the places where I shall drive them. People will say the word Jew and they'll laugh. The people, the Judahites of Jerusalem under Zedekiah, people will know what that means and they'll know that that means a bad thing. And I will send sword, famine, and pestilence upon them until they shall be utterly destroyed from the land that I gave to them and their fathers. Whoa. That's, that's kind of harsh. Isn't God a loving God? Oh, God is a loving God. Why would he do this? Let's keep reading. We're going to skip down to Jeremiah chapter 25. Verses 3 through 7. Jeremiah is talking. He, he went more about what God's going to do. You can read the rest of Jeremiah 24 on your own. But now Jeremiah is talking again. He says, For 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, until today, 
as well, the word of the Lord has come to me. This is Jeremiah speaking. And I've spoken the word of the Lord persistently to you. I've been doing this for 23 years. God has been giving me messages, and I've been giving them to you constantly. But you have not listened. You've neither listened nor even opened up your ears to bother to hear. Although the Lord persistently sent to you all of his servants, the prophets, saying, repent every one of you from his evil way and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from of old and for, forever. Here is what God wants you to do. He wants you to repent so that you can be under his thumb? No. God wants you to repent so that you can live in the peace and the joy, as Dennis said, of God's kingdom. Don't repent so that you can be crushed. Repent so that you can live in safety and joy and comfort. I've been doing this, Jeremiah says, for 23 years and for centuries before me. God has sent servants. And there's not enough of you listening to be able to save this plate of figs. The problem with the plate of figs is that if you leave the good figs and the bad figs together, you've done this with fruit at your own home, you leave them together, one bad apple spoils the bunch, right? In order to save the good figs, I'm going to have to dump the plate but I'm going to keep the good fig safe. All right, let's go uh, verse 6. Rather, you can live in peace, Jeremiah says. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger, God says, with the work of your hands. If you do that, then I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. And again, it's crazy to me that Jim spontaneously decided to tell a story about if the world's in turmoil around you, find someone to serve. How many ways are you going to get this message from God this morning? Jim and I didn't talk. Jim walks with God and I walk with God and we both have prayed to say words that God wants us to speak. And God answers those kinds of prayers. He answers a lot of prayers. And He's answered that prayer this morning. So these are the words God wants you to hear. Don't worry about the turmoil. The turmoil is what it is. But I can tell you the turmoil is designed to save those who want to be saved. And instead of freaking out about the turmoil or asking questions or wondering, what's going to happen? Why don't you think about what you've been doing with your hands? And why don't you go find something to do with your hands? Because what you've been doing with your hands up to this point 
A lot of you has been detestable to God, and you've been surrounded by people doing work with their hands that's detestable to God. And you need to rethink what working with your hands for God means, because your view may be a little skewed by all the bad figs around you. And this purge that God is sending upon Judah is a rehabilitation of his people. If he left them in Judah, they would become rotten too. God's not punishing them. This is just the way things are. God's going to save them and comfort them and give them comfort and peace and joy in Babylon. You know what? Stop saying what you want. Let God do what he's going to do. I mean, I'm scared. I don't want to go to Babylon. Okay, you know what? God is with you. Stop making demands about what your life's going to be next week or a year from now or five years from now. Why don't you let God decide that? If God leaves you where you are, you will become rotten and you will be thrown out too. You may not understand why God has to move you from here to here, but understand that it must be done. And God's doing it to save those that love Him. Let's turn to Titus chapter 1. Talk more about the works we do. Titus chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. He says, To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. What does he mean by that? He says, if you come from a pure place, if your heart is after God, you won't be doing evil things. And people can point fingers. I think that's evil. I think that's evil. Well, God is the judge, not you. And if a person loves God, even if what they do looks defiled, they're purified, and that's, not, that's between them and God, not between you and God. If God has a commandment against it, you can point it out. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. So it's not about who's doing this and who's doing that. And this person's doing this and this person's doing that. Why are you worrying about what other people are doing? If you're defiled, it doesn't matter what good you're doing. You're still defiled. What he's saying is, don't worry about other people. If, if you want to call them out as being defiled... Let God call them out as being defiled. Does that mean we shouldn't talk to our brothers who have sinned? No. Of course we must talk to our brothers who have sinned. There's a million verses about that in the Bible. Not literally. But he's saying, if God moves you to talk to your brother, talk to your brother. But if you're just going to stand there pointing fingers, 
around and you're not doing anything good, then the good that you do doesn't matter. Verse 16, these people profess to know God, but they deny deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Jesus says this over and over again. Don't judge so that you won't be judged, but also you will know a tree by the fruit it produces. Does it produce joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? And that's a good tree. But it's not just those fruits of the Spirit. It's the works of your hands. It's the things that you spend your time doing. Oh, I love God. I, I come to church on Sunday. I can't tell you how many people when we were living somewhere else would come to, it was a college town. How many kids would show up to work so hungover? Show up to church. Woo! Hope the preacher ain't too loud today. I really, really got ripped last night. It's common. Okay? We all have sin. I get that. But if you come to church to repent and say, God, I don't want to be like that anymore, that's one thing. But if you plan on coming the next Sunday the same way, and the Sunday after that the same way, why are you, why are you coming to church? Does it mean don't come to church? What it means is clean your hands, spend your time and your money doing things that glorify God. Let's turn to Romans chapter 2. Starting in verse 5. Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, and God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will pay out to each one according to His works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. You notice that Paul says doing good requires, what does it say there in verse 7? It requires patience. See, all the stories of the good people in the Bible, you look at Christ Himself, when you're doing what God wants you to do, 
it often does not look like it is working out. Have you noticed that? Seems like all the evil people are winning. Why should I bother? Because God told you to do what you're supposed to do. Well, it seems like I'm just getting the short end of the stick, okay? You do what God tells you to do, or you don't. When it looks like your work is not paying off, when it looks like the things that you've, you've spent your time on and your money on and given your heart to, and you're saying, God, I've done all this, and it just doesn't seem to be working, you do it anyway. It takes patience and persistence to keep doing what God tells us to do. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. This will be our last verse for today. Verses 17 through 19. As for the rich in this present age, what does he mean by this present age? He's talking about now, but there is an age to come. As for the rich in this present age, tell them not to be stuck up, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. That is truth right there. God provides us everything we need and more. If God holds back from us, it is for our own good. Instead, The people, verse 18, are to do good, to be rich not in money, but in good works, to be generous and ready to share, not packing their IRAs, but storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I threw in the IRAs. I didn't have them back then. What I'm saying is what you really need to be saving up for, what you really need to be investing your time and your money into is the next age. The next age isn't retirement, by the way. The next age is when Christ redeems the world. From the beginning, God has meant His people to be a kingdom of priests to be a blessing to the world around them. God did not give you all the things He's given you. Your ability to work. Your health. Your family. He didn't give you all these things just for you to enjoy. He does want you to enjoy them. The point is, He gave you these things so that you can be a blessing to the world around you. And if you're not, you're a bad fig. 
And as Jim was saying this morning, in the chaos that's going on, when people are being carted off to Babylon, don't say, God, why is this happening? I think I'm going to freak out, man. You shall not freak out. You shall look at the works of your hands. Every scripture I've read to you today, God is focused on the works of your hands have not been the ones that please me. They've been self-serving. They've been sensual. And by sensual, I don't mean sex-related. I mean they've been trying to please the senses. You're trying to get high off the world around you. Instead of being at one with God. Those works of your hands have not pleased God. You need to find works for your hands. God has given us so much. The place where we live, the time where we live, the resources we have, the things that we have to worry about are amazing in the history of of history. No one has gotten to live like this. And yet we're still complaining. Of all the things God has given us, the most precious thing He gives us, in my opinion, is time. We waste a lot of things. We waste money. We waste talent. But think more than anything, we waste time. No one has had free time like this ever in history unless they were the 0.1% ruling elite. So what have you been up to with your time? How have you spent that? Have you spent that worrying about what's going on in Babylon? Or have you spent time finding someone to serve? It's pretty simple. God makes it clear this is the message He wants me to hear and you to hear this morning. Stop using the turmoil in Babylon as an excuse to not do good things with the hands God has given you. Stop focusing on Babylon. Focus I'm God. What has God given me and what am I doing with it? Because there will be an accounting. How many times can can God warn us or tell us about this? I want to bless you, God says. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. All I'm asking is that you take the blessings I've given you, enjoy them, and use them to bless the people around you. Period. How many times are you going to hear that from God? Are you doing it? Are you blessing the people around you in your life? Or are you coming to church saying, well, I, I, I rate them at a B- minus for friendliness. Preaching was a D-, minus. let's be honest. Are you coming to say, God, what can I do by being here? You know what, I don't want to go to church today because... You know, the air is really dry, and I've got like this sinus thing, and it's actually kind of slippery out there. I mean, I want to be safe. I don't want to crash into people. I'm just thinking about other motorists. Come on. 
I'm not, you, you don't come to church, preacher will say you're a bad person. No, God is saying, I gave you a car and I gave you gas and I gave you everything else. What are you doing with it? Driving to the clubs? Or driving to the other clubs? To go play golf. I guess people don't play golf in the winter here. Fine, whatever, bad analogy. But you know what I'm saying? What are you doing with all the stuff God gave you? Are you having just a tremendous party by yourself in a corner? Or are you inviting other people? Are you a good fig or a bad fig? Can't call that a bad analogy, because that was God's analogy. Putting on my protective gear. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for blessing me by being here. Really. And I pray that all of us can have good works with our hands. And no matter whether we serve as a preacher or an elder or a deacon, or whatever we're serving as, all of us are called to serve. There are roles in this family, just like there are roles in every family, but everybody in the family works together, amen? None of us is sitting back. Well, that's his job. That's what I hear you two knuckleheads saying. You know what? I did that as a kid, and I still do it now. Let's be honest. That's his job. That's her job. Come on. If we're a family, if we're the body of Christ, if we do anything, we work together and we achieve together. Yes? My hands aren't going to get you to heaven. Your hands aren't going to get me to heaven. When God shows up, say, I thought Steve had that covered. Steve don't have that covered. You're crazy. I want to be able to say, you know what? We did it together. We want to be able to walk to the pearly gates hand in hand together. Amen? This is a group effort. What are we doing with these hands? When you go home today, what are you going to do with your hands? Tonight, what are you going to do with your hands and your feet and your car and your money? Most importantly, your time. And if you have a prayer, if you have a need, church can help you with today. We want to pray with you. Elders will be here. If you're not a Christian this morning, you can be baptized. Be part of the kingdom of God. If you have any of these needs, please come forward while we stand and we sing this song.